Hello, my fellow rebels. It's David Menzies here filling in for Ezra Levent. Coming up on tonight's edition of the Ezra Levent Show, well, my monologue will be on the cancel culture mob industry out there and how there were a couple of victories this week by those who are against cancel culture. Then, of course, I have Sheila Gunn-Reed. She'll be weighing in on the Pastor Arthur Pawlowski saga. And before we get to that, how about this, folks? Consider signing up to Rebel News Premium Content. It's only $8 a month. And for that, you get the Ezra Levent Show, you get The Gun Show, you get the show by Andrew Chapados, Andrew Says, and you get my show, Rebel Roundup, that airs every Friday night. That's only $8 a month, and that makes you a premium content subscriber, and so you'll never, ever miss another Rebel News video. Tonight, the cancel culture mob is still on the warpath, but this week it suffered a couple of major defeats. It's Friday, October 15th, 2021. I'm David Mendes, and this is The Ezra Levent Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is the government the why I publish it. Well, folks, what a week it's been for that despicable virus. No, I speak not of COVID-19, but rather of something that is perhaps far more insidious, cancel culture. Indeed, it used to be a hallmark of a communist regime to endlessly rewrite history. So it would be that an individual who was once hailed as heroic would suddenly fall into disrepute and then vilified as a no good Nick due to regime change. Down would go the statues and the portraits as this suddenly reimagined individual would be forever purged from the lexicon. Indeed, this was the bailiwick of George Orwell's 1984. The protagonist, Winston Smith, is employed by the Records Department of the Ministry of Truth. His job forever entails rewriting the party-line narrative of current events and history itself. His homeland of Oceania is and has always been at war with East Asia, and Oceania's ally is and always has been Eurasia, until political climate change occurs and then the precise opposite is true vis-a-vis -vis the ally enemy narrative. Indeed, there was a part in the novel in which Winston Smith, who has written and rewritten and rewritten history so often that he actually forgets which nation was the original ally and the original enemy of Oceania. Now, if anything, Orwell was indeed prescient when it came to today's cancel culture in the real world. But the thing is, it isn't necessarily government leading the charge. Rather, the primary enemy is a generation or two of uber-sensitive types who prey at the altar of wokeness. These bubble-wrapped snowflakes and cantankerous Karens look at everything through a politically correct lens 
And if it means taking a deep dive to find offenders making offensive comments in yesteryear, hey, they've got the time. I imagine there's precious little else to do when one is residing in mum's basement, sipping a gluten-free latte while endlessly surfing the internet. Now, one of the latest victims of cancel culture is ex-Las Vegas Raiders coach John Gruden. It was recently reported that in 2011, yes, a decade ago, John Gruden wrote to then Washington Redskins executive Bruce Allen. Gruden, who was then working for ESPN, called NFL Players Association president Demoris Smith as dumb Boris Smith, and Gruden also wrote that Smith, who is black, has, quote, lips the size of Michelin tires, end quote. Now, were Gruden's comments from yesterday inappropriate and even downright racist? Yes. Does he deserve to be penalized for those comments? Perhaps. But when it comes to crime and punishment, does he deserve a life sentence? Definitely not. Whatever happened to an appropriate penalty for a particular crime? Today, if one says something in the public square and the Twitterverse that is perceived to be even remotely transphobic or homophobic or racist or sexist, etc., 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 the knee-jerk response is similar to the phrase used during the French Revolution, namely, off with their head. But is this fair? Is this just, especially in the land of the First Amendment? I can remember a time when a broadcaster, upon saying something that was deemed inappropriate, would publicly apologize and or receive a suspension of perhaps a few days or even a few weeks. Then we would all collectively move on. Now a single perceived transgression against a particular protected group is unforgivable and it demands a career death sentence. And yet, just consider how our criminal justice system works. Even those who commit first-degree murder are afforded a second chance. Unless deemed to be a dangerous offender, which is very rare, even a first-degree murderer goes free after a 25-year prison sentence. The idea is that the offender has paid their price to society and that everyone, even someone who has taken another person's life, deserves a second chance. But in 2021, if one commits a thought crime, even a thought crime from yesterday, there are no second chances. That's how we roll today. Utter or write something that triggers Soy Boy Nation or the People's Republic of post-secondary snowflakes, and there is no mercy, there is no forgiveness, there is no parole. The alleged offender is now on the fast track to being declared a non-person, someone who must be banished forever. Only feelings count now, which is primarily why Omar Khadr, our homegrown Al-Qaeda terrorist, was given a $10.5 million settlement from the Justin Trudeau Liberals. Omar's feelings were hurt, you see, and please, folks, don't dwell on Omar's bad behavior. You know, killing one American serviceman and partially blinding another. <laughs> boys will be boys, after all. But back to Gruden. He told reporters that despite that offensive tweet, 
He harbors little prejudice that he is not a racist and black football legends such as Tim Brown and Charles Woodson came to Gruden's defense. Both Brown and Woodson played under Gruden and they were both adamant Gruden is not a racist. Well, too bad, so sad. You see, today the woke mob had spoken and much like the villagers carrying pitchforks and torches in a Frankenstein horror movie, the mob was lusting for vengeance for even the slightest transgressions. And thus Gruden is now perhaps forever banished to the sidelines of pro football and perhaps even society itself. Also this week on the cancel culture front, the Rolling Stones announced that during their current tour, Brown Sugar will not be on the playlist, a song that the band has played at every concert appearance since 1971. Yes, the so-called bad boys of rock and roll actually capitulated to Generation Woke, and they canceled a song that is really about decrying slavery. But no, can't have that, and brown sugar? Mm -mm. Yet when the progressive media mob went full tilt in their journalistic jihad applauding the deletion of this classic Rolling Stones tune, did any of them dare make mention that, oh, you know, just about every second rap song uses the N-word and that violence and blatant misogyny are de rigueur themes? No, I guess that might have been, oh, I don't know, culturally insensitive. So Brown Sugar gets the axe and reams of songs that glorify gangbanger culture and all the inherent violence that goes with it, well, that gets a pass. Charlie Watts must be rolling in his grave right now. But don't despair, folks, because there were glimmers of good news on the cancel culture front this week. In rare instances, some apparently are taking a stand against the censorious thugs. Case in point, Netflix did not bend the knee to the social justice warriors, some of whom apparently work at Netflix, when it came to Dave Chappelle's most recent comedy special, The Closer. You see, a major theme of Chappelle's concert is gender and transgenderism. And I guess Dave didn't get the memo from the likes of GLAAD and the National Black Justice Coalition, who predictably denounced Chappelle's latest special. Apparently, there is now a litany of protected groups, first and foremost transgender people, that are protected from the slings and arrows of comedy. But why? The best comedy is the type that pushes the envelope. Show me politically correct comedy and I'll show you a joke without a punchline. And by the way, if equality is all about everyone being treated the same, then surely everyone should be made fun of. Comedy is not critical race theory in which Caucasians are demonized and everyone else is ghettoized as victims. There should be no such thing as a sacred cow when it comes to comedy, despite what special interest groups and in the mainstream media would have you believe. To constantly make jokes about certain groups while prohibiting jokes against other groups, well, that isn't comedy, but rather it's a form of apartheid. Yet, as the pressure mounted for Netflix to pull the Chappelle special, and some of the pressure was coming from woke workers that are employees of Netflix, 
the network did not bend the knee. Netflix did not capitulate. Netflix did not surrender to the cancel culture mob, even when some of its own employees stormed a meeting being conducted by Netflix executives. Gee, what chutzpah. Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos acknowledged in an email to employees that said, in part, quote, we know that a number of you have been left angry, disappointed, and hurt by our decision to put Dave Chappelle's latest special on Netflix, but we have a strong belief that content on screen doesn't directly translate to real-world harm, end quote. How refreshing to see someone in charge take a principled stance against imbecilic adult infants who equate comedy as being something that is harmful. Hey, you want harmful? That would be a downed hydro line. That would be jumping into a pond infested with alligators. Harmful is not humorous observations about the transgender community. For 37 minutes, Dave Chappelle make jokes at my expense, literally about my identity, forgetting that I too live at the intersection of being both black and queer and trans. Because tone deaf jokes like that can get us murdered. Tone deaf jokes like that call for our murder. Tone deaf jokes like that ignore my entire existence. Another victory for free speech and free expression and a resounding defeat for the nattering nabobs of negativity who adore cancel culture was the attempted cancellation of none other than Clint Eastwood. The manufactured outrage came via a video clip dating back to the 1973 Academy Awards. Yes, 1973. That was when Marlon Brando refused to accept his award for Best Actor in The Godfather and instead sent Sasheen Littlefeather, a Native American activist, on stage to lament Hollywood's treatment of American Natives. Now, later that evening, Clint Eastwood, who was, of course, famous for his numerous roles in Westerns, came to the podium to present the Best Picture Oscar, which also went to The Godfather that year. And he made the following joke, quote, I don't know if I should present this award on behalf of all the cowboys shot in all the John Ford Westerns over the years, end quote. Well, a quip that brought down the house in 1973 is now evidently considered considered to be hate speech by some progressive political activist going by the name of Raphael Shimanov. Eastwood's offense, well, he mocked Little Feather, apparently, and of course, given the identity politics at play, that makes Eastwood a racist. But guess what? Clint Eastwood did not get canceled this week, and the Twitterverse and other social media platforms, well, they were flooded with support for the 90-year-old Hollywood veteran. Oh, poor Raphael, I imagine he's now curled up on a couch in the fetal position, holding back the tears as he ponders what went wrong. Well, what went wrong is simply this. Clint Eastwood is a magnificent actor and director. Clint Eastwood did not commit a crime 48 years ago 
with that cowboy quip. And Clint Eastwood is an American icon. As for Raphael Shimonov, he's a schmuck. He's a Marxist loser. And therein lies the moral of the story when it comes to the attempts by the cancel culture thugs to eradicate those they do not agree with. It's all about fighting back, not capitulating. Whether it is a CEO such as Ted Sarandos or common sense folks at large on social media, it is incumbent for all decent people to call out these woke wimps. They have already canceled so many people and so many things. But trying to cancel Dave Chappelle and Clint Eastwood earlier this week proved to be a bridge too far for the spirit unicorn set. Let's build on these victories. Let's continue to play offense rather than defense. It's time for those who embrace freedom of speech and freedom of expression to take a righteous stance. Maybe we need to cancel the cancel culture vultures. Let's give them a taste of their own medicine. Let's see how they gag on it. Calgary pastor Arthur Pawlowski had his day in court earlier this week, and it was a mixture of good news and bad news. The good news is the pastor doesn't have to serve any additional jail time. The bad news is a whopping $23,000 fine. And what's even worse, a judge telling Pastor Art what he must say when he's in the public square or online. It is truly a precedented setting and bizarre ruling. And joining me now to weigh in on the Pastor Art situation is uh, our chief reporter in Northern Alberta, and that would be Sheila Gunn-Reed. How are you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on the show. I've been reading this outlandish court ruling all day. It's, you know, I heard it read into the record as it was happening the other day but you know like you're you're typing and you're trying to make note of the next thing the judge is saying so you're trying to be as accurate as possible but it was so crazy that you almost couldn't believe that a judge was saying it and he did say some things because this is not exactly verbatim to what i know he said and that'll be evidenced in the court transcripts but he even though he delayed issuing this by a full day he did not clean up any of the crazy there's more in there than i thought there would be and, and you know i used the word bizarre and so did our legal eagle superb sarah miller uh sheila she used the word bizarre that, that might sound tame but that's actually quite uh, bad condemnation on a judge's ruling and the reason why she used that word and we talked about this earlier this week here we are in a in 2021 in a commonwealth country and you have justice adam germain telling pastor art what he must say when he goes to the social media uh, platforms, when he goes out onto the public square, which is to give a fair representation of the government's narrative when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. Sheila, this is something you see in communist countries. Yeah, this is self-flagellation in the public square. So for Pastor Art and his co uh defendants at the time, his brother David and Chris Scott of The Whistle Stop, every time that they say something 
in any public forum, so that's social media, at a public speech, where they are, you know, attending a protest against the lockdown, they have to give a very specific script. And the judge gave them the script. He read it into the record when he was delivering his comments, his oral uh, judgment. But we got the written copy today, and I'll just read it for you. Please. It says the final term of his, that's Pastor Art's probation, will be that when he is exercising his right of free speech. It's not really free if you have to press it with, preface it with the government's <laughs> talking points, but okay. But anyways... <laughs> When he is exercising his right of free speech and speaking against AHS health orders and AHS health recommendations, so not even just the orders, but the things that a health official might suggest to you, uh. he's got to preface this, in a public gathering or public forum, so that would include the church, including electronic and social media, he must indicate in his communications the following. And this is in the judgment, so this is what he has to do to be obliged by the judgment like to follow the judgment here he says that pastor art must say this i am also aware that the views i am expressing to you on this occasion may not be the views held by the majority of medical experts in alberta while i may disagree with them i am obliged to inform you that the majority of medical experts favor social distancing mask wearing and avoiding large crowds to reduce the spread of covid 19. most medical experts also support participation in a vaccination program, unless for valid religious or medical reasons, you cannot be vaccinated. Vaccinations have been shown to statistically to save lives and to reduce the severity of COVID-19 symptoms. So not only does he have to give the government talking points, he has to act as a vaccine salesman. You know, this is incredible. Uh, Sheila, if Pastor Art doesn't do this, and I would bet the house that he's not going to comply, does this then mean that he's in contempt of court? Well, it means that he is not meeting the terms of his probation. And so does he go back to jail if he's not meeting the terms of probation? I'm not sure, but this judge did lay out that uh, if Art doesn't meet uh, the terms of his probation, uh, that uh, he has to go back before this judge or the original judge that issued the order, the secret order that he was found in contempt of. So here's from the conclusion of the judgment. It says, accordingly, I direct that in any event that any disagreement about the enforcement of any term of this ruling or any application for an amendment or variance should be brought back to me as long as I'm still a sitting member of the Court of Queen's Bench. And if I'm unable to act in any review capacity, counsel may approach the Associate Chief Justice Rook. So that's the guy who issued the secret order. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, Pastor Art is going to become a political prisoner in Alberta, a prisoner of conscience in an Alberta remand facility because he will not self-flagellate. He will not kowtow to the government line. And that's his right in a free country to speak out against the policies and procedures of the government. This is not the Soviet Union. This is not um, 
you know, Nazi Germany. This is not North Korea. We are free as citizens to express distaste, disgust, and disagreement with the government policies of the day without being forced to give government talking points. We don't have to advocate for the government. Everybody else does. You know, uh, I, I think you're right, uh, Sheila, uh, but then again, there is potentially two scenarios that might play out in the near future because Pastor Art, there's no way he's going to abide uh, by that uh, judgment. And that is either this, he is indeed going to be a political prisoner if Justice Germain pursues this, if he doubles down and get, gets him back in court again. Or could it be, Sheila, that I think Justice Germain has received an enormous PR black eye over this. I mean, freedom lovers the world over are condemning this judge, mocking him, joking him, you, you name it. And maybe he's going to turn a blind eye to this, turn the other cheek, and not pursue uh, further humi humiliation of Pastor Art. How do you think it may go? Like I said yesterday on the live stream with you, David, this is the least self-aware person that I've ever encountered in a very long time. He has no idea why people are even remotely interested in Pastor Art's story. <laughs> He thinks that Pastor Art just decided, well, I'm just going to go to the United States and tell everybody about what happened to me in Alberta. No, the judge, the behavior of the justice system, the Calgary police, they all created the demand for Pastor Art to go to the United States and tell his story to a horrified American public. This judge does not get it whatsoever. I think he thought if I send him back to jail, I'll be giving Pastor Art what he wants. Pastor Art doesn't want to go to jail. Yeah. He just wants to be left alone to feed the homeless as he has quietly done for the past nearly two decades. This judge thought that it would be an acceptable sentence to compel the speech of a free man in a free country. So I would not put it past this judge to send Pastor Art to jail if he doesn't follow these instructions. Uh, Sheila, what do we know about Justice Germain when it comes to his background? Oh, he's a failed liberal candidate patronage <laughs> appointment. He's from Fort McMurray. He's definitely not from Poland. I do know that. Uh, however, he did... Um, see fit to opine on the experiences of a Polish immigrant who grew up behind the Iron Curtain in the aftermath of Nazi occupation. He, in his written uh, judgment, said that basically art um, should not have referred to health officials as Nazis. Uh, that may or may not be the case, but I'll leave it to a Polish immigrant to decide and not a judge. And furthermore, um, that's still free speech. That's still free speech in this country. But this judge, I mean, he's in his 70s. He's been around for a long time. He's long in the tooth. Uh, I question his competency. And if people at home do too, I invite them to sign our petition at firethejudge.com. You can see uh, the documents from the decision that was issued today. You can read them all for yourself. You can see just how insane this ruling is, how anti-Canadian it is, how it goes against the Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You can read it all for yourself. And if you agree with me that this is a madness to compel speech, but in a country where we cannot compel a murderer to apologize to a victim's family, and yet we think that, or this judge thinks that they can compel a pastor to preface his sermons in his church with government talking points, please sign that petition 
at firethejudge.com. Yeah, how perverse is it, Sheila, that a failed liberal rises to such prominence in the Alberta justice system of all provinces? Absolutely baffling. And, you know, we talked about this earlier this week, too. Um, this does seem to me to be a precedent. I can't think of anything that comes close. And uh, we don't want this to be the um, beginning of the slippery slope. Uh, for example, if someone is in the public square or online denying that climate change is due to man made activity, uh, would this justice and his ilk order that person to give the Greta Thunberg Al Gore narrative of uh, climate change? I mean, where does it end, Sheila? Well, that's the problem with allowing this to stand. Sure, art would only be bound by it for 18 months, but it's art. He'll never be bound by it for a day. Uh, I, I mean, he wasn't. We saw him yesterday just giving her, uh, giving his speeches and not prefacing his criticism of the government lockdown with the government talking points. But it creates a knock-on effect. So in this judgment, the judge cites other cases of COVID scoff laws and what they received. And so this now becomes a relevant case and a relevant judgment and a relevant punishment for other COVID scoff laws going forward. And so we just can't let this stand. We can't let the infringement on free speech for anybody stand because it's Art today, it's his brother today, it's Chris Scott, a small town business owner who just wouldn't go broke quietly enough. It's them today, but it's really all of us if we choose to speak out against government policies. Indeed, and just look at uh, the latest headline, Sheila, when it comes to a pastor. Pastor Phil, what's the latest? Ugh on that individual. Pastor Phil Hutchings in uh, St. John, New Brunswick. He was just, maybe an hour ago, sentenced, um, well, not sentenced, but he's being held in contempt of a court order that required him to follow the lockdown restrictions on places of worship in New Brunswick. And in New Brunswick right now, if you do not vax passport your congregation, then you have to do a bunch of other things. And that means... Um, 50% capacity limits, masking, social distancing, contact tracing right down to the pew and row. And then you have to submit that to health authorities. And the last most outrageous one, no singing in church. And so Pastor <laughs> Phil, his church has been under surveillance. His church is called His Tabernacle Family Church. It's been under constant surveillance. Last week, the church services were interrupted police went right in during services to inspect then on thanksgiving sunday cody butler the associate pastor there was arrested by police he's been released now then on thanksgiving monday the church was ordered closed then phil was given um notice to appear on an emergency basis to be in contempt to be you know to see if he will be held in contempt of the previous orders they held him in contempt today he will be in jail until at least october 22nd that's his next court appearance um you know this is and his only crime you know singing i guess in church and because he didn't vax pass his congregant so People can sign our petition at savepastorphil.com. We're crowdfunding for his um, 
his criminal uh, tickets or his at least his tickets. We're going to see what we can do to help him with the civil proceedings. Um, and they can do that at SavePastorPhil.com. I mean, what is happening in Alberta, these overreaches and the, the hammer of the government coming down on our churches and pastors, it's spreading now. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And even more egregious, I think, Sheila, is that I'm sure in New Brunswick there's, oh, I don't know, gun crime, human trafficking, murders, assaults, robberies. For law enforcement to put that amount of resources in terms of going after Pastor Phil, I, I mean, it's baffling to me. It's like if you want the public to lose faith in the the law enforcement process, I think they're doing a hell of a job doing so with this unnecessary and over-the-top persecution. Yeah, I mean, if you want to turn a generation of people away from law enforcement, I am doing my best to still remain pro-cop because I think there are really good cops out there who don't agree with what's happening here. Yes. But the health officials using the cops as enforcers of bad policies, arresting pastors, arresting peaceful protesters, flattening grandmothers in the street, it's really hard to be pro-cop these days because you have these overly aggressive, out-of-control cops enforcing these out of control, overly aggressive public health regulations. And it is damaging the reputation of cops and it is damaging the reputation and relationship that the public has with cops now. 100%. And Sheila, last word goes to you. You mentioned firethejudge.com because we're not going to let this stand. Oh, uh, gosh, this no. is one of the most outrageous attacks uh, by the judicial system on freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Uh, how do you think, if I, if I were to ask you to look into your crystal ball there, how do you see this playing out in the weeks and months ahead, Sheila? Well, we are launching a major appeal of this decision, both for Pastor Art and his brother, but also for Chris Scott at the whistle stop. I mean, Chris Scott can't even say that the lockdown destroyed his business, which it did. And they seized his property. He can't even say that without prefacing, you know, the government's talking points on lockdowns and the efficacy of lockdowns. So we are doing everything we can to appeal this. If they want to help us appeal, you can donate at savearcher.com or you can donate at fightthefines.com. None of that money comes to us. It goes directly to a registered Canadian charity called the Democracy Fund. And all that charity does is civil liberties work. Well, Sheila, thank you so much, both you and our colleague, Adam Seuss. You've been doing excellent job in reporting on this grotesque adjustment. And the story is far from over. I know you'll be the first ones to deliver the updates. In the meantime, you have yourself a wonderful weekend, my friend. I will. You too, David. Thank you. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here for folks. More of the Ezra Levin Show coming up right after this. We got plenty of feedback from my monologue last night on how the mainstream media and certain public health officials are, well, there's no other word for it. They're outright lying when it comes to torquing up the fear factor when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Bruce Atchison writes, the far left extremist figure lies are all right if it furthers their narrative. Like the jihadists, leftist extremists feel justified in lying or worse, if it furthers their political views. We conservatives are bound by the truth. I'm speaking of real conservatives, not say-so liars like Jason Kenney and Aaron O'Toole. Progressives have no shame in using a boy's death to make people think that COVID-1984 was the cause and they want us to trust them. And you know what, Bruce, that's exactly right. When the lies are exposed, guess what happens to your credibility? And yeah, I'm talking to you, mainstream media, and I'm talking to you, public health officials. Well, your credibility, it evaporates. Charles Martel writes, Henshaw this morning retracted her statement and admitted that the kid died of cancer, not COVID. Well, good for her, but she should never have weighed in on this story in the first place. She should never have lied about the death of a 14-year-old boy in the first place. And Pam Courier writes, City TV, know your facts before you write a story. Shame on you. Well, actually, I think the issue here, this was the City TV uh, news report in which Dr. Samantha Hill invited um, members of the public to tour an ICU unit to see that the pandemic is indeed real. Uh, I reached out to the OMA and was told, uh, no, she was only speaking personally on live TV watched by tens of thousands of people. But why didn't any of the journalists asking Dr. Hill that question in the first place follow up with my uh, query, which is, yeah, let me see the ICU uh, units. No, they either know it's bogus or they're just too damn lazy. Unbelievable. Well, folks, um, I want to wish you all a wonderful weekend. Ezra will be back here on Monday. And in the meantime, here's our video of the day. A couple of days ago, the Leafs hosted the Habs in Toronto's home opener. And down the road, there was a hockey protest about all the hypocrisy when it comes to the vaccine passport mandate. So what brings you out here? I mean, even though you can't play, it must be nice to see the world as it was in 2019. Kids who are unmasked out playing hockey in the street. Um, does it make you uh, sentimental for the good old days? Yeah, it does. I kind of miss the good old days. Hey, they're free to come out and play hockey. They're free to enjoy one another's company. They're free to have fun and enjoyment, and that's what Canadians are. There's no science, there's no logic, there's no common sense. We're not allowed. We're not allowed. Because you're not double jabbed, right? That's right. We're no longer part of society. David Menzies for Rebel News here in downtown Toronto. And look at this. A street hockey game has broken out on Bremner Boulevard. It's a protest about vaccine mandates. And you know, folks, H is for hockey and H is for hypocrisy. And there's a heap and helping of hypocrisy on display right now. For example, 
In just a few hours at the Scotiabank Arena, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to host the Montreal Canadiens. You will have 20,000 fans cheek to jowl inside that building. All of them must be double jabbed or you're not getting in. Yet the players themselves, it's not mandatory. And they're the ones that are in close contact with each other. You can't get a more contact sport than ice hockey. And finally, look at these kids enjoying themselves, no masks on, playing a good old fashioned Canadian game of street hockey. They, if they want to play in their respective leagues, they have to get the vaccination. And once again, when it comes to the National Hockey League players earning millions of dollars in salary per year, they don't need it. None of this makes sense. In any event, let's go out and talk to some of these folks here and find out what brings them to this fantastic Canadian protest. Twenty thousand people in Scotiabank Arena, and uh, sitting cheek to jowl indoors, and yet Maple Leaf Square, where there's normally hundreds watching on the jumbotron, the police have sealed that off. Where's the science in this? Well, there hasn't been science for 19 months. There's been contradictions. There's been lies. There's been falsehoods. There's been deception. But there has not been any science. The science has been clear clear for a long time. Well, clearly the government is not following the science. The science is 100% in our direction. There's no science. There's no logic. There's no common sense because we know. We know and now the science is on our side. We know that everybody can spread that virus, you know, vaccinated ones, unvaccinated ones. So we are in the same boat. I'm standing against this tyranny. How come I was working before? I wasn't sick. No one day. Now they want to put substance that still going through the experimental time until 2023. How can I do this myself? No way. Like I said the day of the election in my speech, uh, I said, you know, we are the only real opposition in Ottawa. We're not the official opposition, but we are the real one. And I said, I will do the battle in the street with Canadians. And now I'm here today because it's important. We must let the kids play without any discrimination. You know, kids must play with vaccinated one or ones or unvaccinated ones. And I, I'm really behind that event today. Uh, I think it's a great idea. So what brings you out here? I mean, even though you can't play, uh, it must be nice to see the world as it was in 2019. Kids who are unmasked out playing hockey in the street. Um, does it make you uh, sentimental for the good old days? Yeah, it does. I kind of miss the good old days. You know, they've got rules that don't make sense. You've got, you can go inside there, pack the place, but the restaurants can only have a couple of people inside with their vaccine passports. You've got, you know, parents can't accompany their children to soccer and hockey unless they show their vaccine papers but because they're worried about it spreading but those kids go home with those potentially unvaccinated parents anyway so nothing makes sense you're kind you're tight you're not allowed in that building are you not allowed we're not allowed because you're not double jabbed right that's right we're no longer part of society they believe in segregation but we're still going to support the city we're still going to support the leagues we're just not going to support them financially we're trying to take a stand that this is not okay but i still love my city and i'm going to keep fighting because this is not okay with me really it disappoints me that more nhl players more professionals in general aren't speaking out and uh i know it's very tough because to be the first one to come forward sort of thing it takes a lot of courage 
Canadians are free. Live like free Canadians. Be damned with these contradictory uh, lies. Be damned waiting for another minister to come and stiff you with another contradiction. Just like all these kids out playing hockey today, right? They're free to come out and play hockey. They're free to enjoy one another's company. They're free to have fun and enjoyment. And that's what Canadians are. You know, if you want to go to a restaurant here now in Ontario, you need to be a double vax. But the waiter can work there without having a, a vaccine passport. So there's no logic. And I, I'm, I'm very pleased that you are here today because more Canadians must understand that. They could still catch COVID. They could still transmit the Why is it that they're allowed to go in and we're not allowed? Every workplace, the people who are saying, no, I'll, st I'll, I'll walk away, I'll step off this job. And I know a lot of people like that too in the construction industry. And they say, and they say, hey, Dermot, how's it going? And they say, hey, no, we'll walk right off this job and that's what people need to do they need to talk amongst their co-workers and they, and not be bullied into a in, into a decision if you want to influence change inside the ontario pc party dave you call one of the lobbyists you bring a big garbage bag full of money you sit down you have a meeting and maybe you can get your way but if you want to do it the democratic way standing up for the little guy and you know dave i grew up in a fish and chips restaurant there's no voice at the table there's no seat at the table for the little guy in the Ontario PC party and Doug Ford's politics. Well, folks, I promise you, the first person I see in public wearing a Menzoid t-shirt, I would give $100 of my own money, and I want to get this on camera to prove I'm not a liar. It is Yuki from Revolution News, right? Not to be confused with Rebel News, by the way. And Yuki, you bought a Menzoid t-shirt? Yes. Uh, what, what kind of comments do you get uh, while you wear it? Um, for me, I don't know that like, I haven't get any comments right now, but for me, it is a great honor to wear this T-shirt. Isn't that amazing, folks? A great honor. So, well, Yuki, um, it's a, I am humbled that you would wear my likeness on your, uh, on your chest like that. I did promise a $100 reward. There you go. Buy another two Menzoy T-shirts. That would make me even happier. Folks, it's almost time to drop the puck. As you can see, hundreds and hundreds of fans still haven't been vetted through security to make sure A, they have tickets, and B, they have their papers, please. And of course, I would like nothing better being a Ardent Lee fan to be in that building, but my kind, my type, we're not allowed in there. And you know what? I got to look at the uh, silver lining in this cloud, folks. Uh, what's a pair of good tickets for a Leafs game? At least a thousand bucks when the Habs are in town. If I want a beer, that's what, $18? If I want to get a jersey like many of these uh, fans are wearing, that's what, 320 Yeah, I guess I might suffer from not being in the building, but my bank account is going to do just fine. For Rebel News, I'm David the Menzoid Menzies. Well, folks, talk about a tale of two citizens. If you have the double jabs, you are welcome to come into the Scotiabank Arena. That is, of course, if you have the hundreds and hundreds of dollars to afford a Leafs ticket for tonight's game. Do you think that's right? We don't. We don't think there should be two classes of citizens. And if you agree with us, please go to fightvaccinepassports.com fightvaccinepassports.com put your signature to our petition and if you're able to kindly make a donation 